fitting that the very first thing I wanted to say this morning is the struggle is real. You know, the struggle is there. Anybody else struggling? You know, struggling a little bit maybe in life. Uh, this morning we've struggled with uh, tech stuff. I would be so terrible surprise there, but what, what about others? I mean, what are you struggling with? Are you struggling? Some of you being like, nah, I'm just fine. You know, and uh, great, good for you, but for a lot of us, the struggle is real. Something has happened in life that got me a little down, maybe. Maybe the struggle with your anxiety, your depression, your, your mental health, it is kicked up a notch. And you're just kind of wondering, are you ever going to get past it? Is there any hope to get past it? Maybe school is you finished the last quarter, right? Hallelujah. Last quarter, right? It's summer. Jordan, are you ready for summer yet? Did you even hear what I said? Okay. All right. The struggle of school. You know, uh, oh my, how much can I get this done? I mean, our, our boys are... Our boys, huh? our boys there. But our, you know, the fourth graders they have testing starting this week. The struggle for the kids as they test. The struggle for teachers, administrators, to do the testing is there. Maybe for some of you, the struggle is in those ways, but it's a struggle of faith, of your of your uh, belief in who Jesus is. That it's been there, and maybe even the fact that I'm mentioning it, you're like, oh. Just stop right there. Just move on. Because we don't always like to admit that the struggle is there. We, we put up a front in our world of everything is okay. Because see, we're afraid of a couple of things. One, if we admit that we struggle, someone's going to tell us exactly what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. And, um, you know, Sometimes we don't want to hear that. Sometimes we're not ready to hear that. Sometimes what we need is, is just someone who will sit with us. I mean, I can say that's one of our uh, things we learned from the book of Job. The issue with Job's friends wasn't necessarily what they were saying. It was the fact that they just needed to sit. Instead of always saying, this is what ought to happen. For this is what you need to do. And sometimes if we admit the struggle is there, we, we feel even more uh, powerless. That the problem just got bigger. Or that we really don't have control. Because we all have a need of power. We all have this sense that we need to be in control, of independence, of authority, of autonomy. We want to make our own decisions. Hasn't that been our struggle? Isn't that still our struggle? Who gets to say what we can do or not do? As people of faith, what are we are supposed to do in this sense? When we have the sense of power being taken away, we will grasp at anything. In fact, in my work with, with those with anxiety, 
as I know some of you can relate, as I can relate at times. When my anxiety gets high, it's a idea, it's a sense that I feel like I cannot control anything, so I'm grasping. And with anxiety, you realize that your grasping is just air, and you're left feeling even worse. So my work with anxiety is, what do you have control over? And actually, the answer is a whole lot. Now, that's hard to get when you're in the moment. But we do. In fact, uh, one of the things I remember being taught in school, and, and every time I hear it said, I cringe. You know, I was taught never to ask anybody, how did that make you feel? Now, we say it all the time, and we mean well. But if I asked Jevin, Jevin, how did the fact that uh, your wife just totally blew you off the other day, you know, you were making a pass at her, she just blew you off, how did that make you feel? You know what I just did? I just reinforce the fact that he's powerless. He can't even control his emotions. Well, we know that. <laughs> you know. You know but, but you see what we've done? Unintentionally. Unintentionally. We've gone, well, how did that make you feel? As if you were already not feeling great. Now somebody else controls my emotions. And we've gotten so used to that that, that we have to realize the fact that I can't make Pastor Ken feel anything, but I sure can influence it. No one can make you feel anything, but they can influence it. You still have control over your emotions and what you do with them. That's why our kids in school are learning phrases like control your weather. And for me, in my role with anxiety myself personally, in my work with others, is though we feel powerless, when we start to realize there is something we can control, even in the midst of anxiety, we notice sometimes that anxiety gets less. When we admit the struggle is real, when we admit we are powerless, we actually become empowered. And I realize that for some of us, our brains have just kind of, kind of uh, shorted out. This makes no sense whatsoever. But I'm here to say, we're going to find out this morning, there's good news that shows this, I believe, to be true. As we continue on our journey of, of learning what the kingdom of God is, Mark 1, 14 and 15 says this, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Repent and believe the good news. And uh, N.T. Wright, one of my favorite authors, uh, in his book, When God Became King, asked this question. What is the gospel according to the gospels? What's the good news of the gospels? Yeah, it seems like an odd question. But to be, to be honest, it's a great question. It's got me thinking, and maybe that's why I'm struggling this day. I've been thinking about this because we understand the gospel to be, if I could sum it up in a nutshell, Jesus died for your sins and he rose again, which is true. The atonement of Jesus is the gospel. However, the gospels don't spend a lot of their time on that. In fact, they spend very little of their time on that. And the question N.T. Wright asks is, why? What's the good news if that's just the good news? If it's just the good news that Jesus is God, and he is God, then why do we have the gospel? 
What's their purpose? Why do we even call them Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? What is the good news of God that Jesus proclaimed? The good news of the Gospel is that Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God on earth, that he is the king. And it's been, the Gospels, I believe, spend a lot of time on the life of Jesus because that's where you find true life, not just in his death and resurrection and ascension, which is important. We can't lose sight of that. Well, neither can we lose sight of his life, how he lived. That's what the kingdom of God is about. So if you haven't already, open your Bibles or, or find it on your device. Look at it online to John 18. As we look at one of his kingdom sayings, as we look at what he says about his kingdom in John 18, 33, says, Pilate then went back inside the palace. He summoned Jesus and he asked him the question, are you the king of the Jews? Now, you need to understand this. If you're going to ask Jesus a question, be ready for a question and response. And I don't know about you, does that frustrate anybody else? You know, when you ask someone a question and they just say, well, here's another question. You're like, I didn't ask that. I want you to tell me. Side note, and, and if you wanted to understand this, uh, the person who has, whoever's asking the questions in a conversation is in control of the conversation. You want to feel powerful in life, ask questions, okay? Um, so, I don't, so back on. And Jesus responds to them, is that your own idea or is that what others are telling you about me? Am I a Jew? You know, this one might be, we should play the game tonight at YouTube. Uh, the question game, where they have to respond, they have to question with a question, if not, you're out. All right, so Cooper, you got it. Do what? Actually, you already, just, you already got out. Yeah, exactly. There we go. You know, you have a heads up, so don't tell the rest and you'll be good. Are you awake? Okay, just a second. He's like, the struggle is real, right? Am I a Jew by the response? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? As they're going back and forth, and I, I would just submit, right, you know, trying to figure out who's in charge here. You know, Jesus responds to him, my kingdom is not in this world. It doesn't originate in this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So you are a king then. I ask. You said that I am a king. That the reason I was born and came into the world was to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And the final question, what is truth? A struggle that was very real in those days. Pilate has his hands full in those days. This is not just some easy matter that he can just uh, wipe away. Okay? His anxiety has increased. Because see, Pilate wasn't the best of leaders. In fact, he understands he wasn't the legitimate leader. He was just the governor. In fact, Herod himself wasn't supposed to be the king of the Jews. In fact, Pilate knows that kingdoms come and go by a couple of reasons, a couple of ways. 
you're either born king or you defeat the king. You will either get there by birth or you will fight until that happens. In our country, we've never known this in the same regards. In fact, this whole idea of Jesus being king is foreign to us in the 21st century. We believe in things like democracy for good reason. We believe that those, but see, in the word of the Gospels, in the world of the Gospels, that wasn't the case. They understood the question that's going on here. The question that had been relevant for the Jews for many years. In fact, they had someone by the name of Judas Maccabean who led a revolt to become king of the Jews, to re restore Israel to its rightful place. In fact, uh, we read in the Gospels that, that if Jesus would have just done what the people thought he ought to have done about the kingdom, he would not have been killed. They would have coordinated him as king. Maybe we need to see that. But Jesus makes a very clear statement here that I think we need to understand. The kingdom of God doesn't start on earth. It doesn't originate here in what we know as our world. And, and that makes all the difference. He doesn't say his kingdom isn't of the world. He just says it doesn't start, it doesn't come from your being. That's not the source. Because that will make, as I just said, all the difference. And so it becomes a power struggle then. Where does true power come from according to the kingdom of God, according to Jesus? Does it come from earth and the powers of this world? Or does it come from somewhere else? And, and, and he says, interesting here, if it was originated here, my followers would have actually led a revolt. Now, those of you who know this part of the story, you know, wait a minute, Jesus. They did. Peter did. He took off his sword and he started to lead the revolt. And what did Jesus do? He said, put it back. Here we're starting to see that true power doesn't lie in the systems of the world. Doesn't lie in the structures of the world. I think we need to be reminded of that. Doesn't mean those things aren't good. It doesn't mean the kingdom of God is just someday or in a spiritual realm. Jesus wasn't necessarily talking about that. In fact, I think what he goes on to say is the kingdom of God influences this world. It doesn't originate here, but it doesn't just not have anything to do with this world. For if it doesn't influence this world, then it's just all future or all spiritual, then we ought never pray the Lord's Prayer. Because I think it, he meant more than just uh, our daily bread, you know, more than just a spiritual sustenance. In fact, if the kingdom isn't to influence this world, then Jesus' own prayer, just moments earlier in the story of the Gospel of John, wouldn't be true, where he says, I pray not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one in the world. The struggle is real. And where we can get mixed up is when we see power from the world's point of view. When we see power from the structures and the systems of this world. 
and we will always get caught up on whether we have it or don't have it, who does have it, how can I get it, or how can I make sure the wrong people don't get it. That's why, though I believe the kingdom of God influences this world, we can't just be about what is known as social justice in the same way that a lot of people mean it. It's more than just that. Because there will never be true justice on this world until he comes back. But we should influence true justice in this world. And Jesus goes on to say, he, when he says, my kingdom is not of this world, my kingdom has its origin other way, but I testify to the truth. He's reminding us that power comes from truth, not position. Where you are in the status of God is more important than the status of this world. That's why later on, the, the uh, New Testament writers would again and again say, once again, if you are in Christ, though you may be poor, you are rich. And if you aren't in Christ, though you may be rich, you are poor. Judy, do you know what book that is? You got a good guess. That's the book of James. It's not just the book of James. Paul says it over and over, Galatians, Ephesians, Corinthians. When he talks about the social ills of the day, he, he doesn't tackle it as we might like him to tackle it because he wants them to be reminded of your power doesn't come from your status, whether you're free or slave, you're male, you're female, you're, you're learned or not learned. Your power comes from being in Christ. Because Jesus said these words just moments earlier. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Power comes from truth. This is why I believe many of our forefathers and mothers in the faith were dedicated to public education, to educating people on all levels. It's why most of the universities, even the great universities, started as Christian colleges because we understood that, that education was powerful, that truth was powerful. That's why you have people throughout the histories that came to realize the sciences were important because truth in education is powerful. Because all truth is God's truth. It can lead you to whether that's found in science or that's found in the liberal arts or it's found in the arts. And we see this struggle in John 18 between two sources of power. And, and I hope you get I think, what John's saying here. He really wants us to ask, who's in control here? I like, Who's to some extent at the whims of the masses? Or Jesus? Who can answer the question with a question? Now, I think when, when Pilate says, what is truth, I don't think he was trying to be sarcastic, cynical. I think he's just kind of throwing his hands up on what is truth in this world? Where is the truth? I, I got these religious leaders who say one thing. I, I find nothing wrong with you. On the other hand, which one is true? And that's where all struggle comes in. It's not struggle of what is truth. What we believe is powerful. Jesus says, my power doesn't come from the same source that you have. 
Jesus refused time and time again to use the power as seen from the world to get what he wanted. Because Jesus redeems power. He takes it and to some extent flips it on its head. How do you use power in your daily life? Husbands, how do you use power in your home? Fathers, mothers, how do you use it with your kids, your family? Do you use it? Do you allow Jesus to redeem that? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 20 about power. Jesus followed his followers together. He see it together this morning with me that he calls us together. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them the power their status their high officials exercise authority over you not so with you instead whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant notice the call notice notice the redemption of power notice how countercultural it was back then and notice how it is even more countercultural today this makes no sense. Whoever wants to be great must be a servant. We don't get that. Because we're, we're striving for our own sense of power. We're striving to call our own shots. We're striving to make sure everything is right so, so no one has to realize that the struggle is real. And Jesus says, give it all up. Serve. Hence why Paul, over and over again, in his letter, said a word that many of us, including myself, don't like. Submit. We don't like it. We definitely don't like it in Western culture. Because we see that as being with weakness. When Jesus says that is greatness, that is powerfulness. Yet, that's exactly what he did here. In submitting even to Pilate, he proclaimed the good news of the gospel. That the kingdom of God can't be stopped. Even when the world thinks you've done it wrong. So what is our task? Listen to Jesus. See, even Jesus says here, he says, you know, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And any of you who have ever worked with kids, any at all, you've asked the question of them, are you listening to me? You know, are you listening? And sometimes they get a little smart out of fact. Or as we, we said that to one of our kids this week, or one of them, my name was Daniel. And Daniel goes, I'm not a smart out, I'm a smart Daniel. Josiah goes, yeah, I'm a smart Josiah. And then, of course, Eliana had to say, yeah, I'm just a smart Eliana. A lot of truth to that. But we ask them, are you listening? Why? Because they're not doing anything. You know, that's what Jesus is saying to Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. It doesn't just listen with ears. Pilate was listening with his ears. But the kingdom of God is more about not just listening to words, but by doing the words. Jesus said, everyone who hears my word and does them is like a wise man or woman. How many of you want to be known as wise? How many of you want to be able to, to stand up 
against the struggles of life that will come. Because he goes, not only will you be wise, it's like you're sitting on a rock in the midst of the storm. How many of you could feel, could sense that you, the things are shifting underneath you and you don't like that sense? And, and you, want to, you want to be able to persevere through with that. You want to feel the power that though all of nature may come against you, you're still steadfast. And listen to Jesus. Listen to his words and do them. And then you will do what I think John says in John 3. You will be born again. Born into the kingdom that has its origins outside of this world but influences this world. And people will go, I want that. I don't even know what that is. Why? How do you stay hopeful in the midst of pain and loss and suffering? How do, you, how do you have a peace in the midst of the chaos all around us? How do you have joy when there's no reason for you to have joy? And we will say, because of Jesus. Because he teaches us truth. The truth that says, Take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart that though the world may kill you, then you will find life. Don't fear those who take only life, he said at one time. But instead, fear the one that has power over all. Better to enter in the kingdom of God of glory, maimed than to miss it. Better to be taught or be thought to be poor, but to be rich towards God. Listen to Jesus. Can you do that this day? I'm not going to ask you about tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow has. Tomorrow will have enough trouble of its own. Listen to Jesus today. And as you listen, do. And in so doing, you will be blessed. And you will come to experience the power of Jesus. And he was able to look straight into death's door and says, come at me. Because I got this. You can have that too. Not because you deserve it. Not because you and of yourself are powerful. But because if you are found in Christ, that is your lot. Live into that this day. Father God, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you that we can worship you. That even though the struggle is real, even though we don't understand lots of things, we can know that when we are found in you, that is the best place to be. And so, Lord, may we listen to you this day. And may by listening, we live out your purposes. And so, Lord, I just thank you that we can continue to worship through our lives this day. Lord, that we are going to be reminded how we need you. Every hour we need you. Because, Lord, when we forget that, truly, we become powerless in our lives. And we will become overcome by the issues of our world. But when we are putting ourselves in you and taking the cross with us each and every day, we will learn the truth. 
that when we submit to one another, submitting to you and serving one another, we find life and life as it was meant to live. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you sing with us as we sing?